sorry, but I really don't believe you, Ollie. Waiting for the great leap forward. And it's a mighty long way down rock and roll from East Berlin to the Letterman Show. And you're waiting for the great leap forward. So join the struggle while you may. The revolution is just a T-shirt away. Waiting for the great leap Hi, Billy. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you.
Nothing's going to take our loving away. That's right. Hey, this is Global Val. You're listening to Women's Magazine here at MutinyRadio.fm San Francisco. That was some music from a fellow Mutiny Radio DJ, J.D. Buell, the J.D. Buell Band. Uh, Their new album called Some Are Still Not Free. Wow. What an appropriate uh, title for these days. Um, It is February 3rd, 2017. And my, are these not interesting times that we're living in? Uh, I'm very encouraged by the amount of participation I've been seeing in the past several weeks and several months. And uh, even really the past year has been a real big buildup of action and activism, uh, standing up for what's right in terms of uh, trying to protect one another's rights, um, whether it be... um, on, on really on any level, housing rights, um, rights to free speech in the press, uh, rights to love who you want to love, rights to um, speak whatever language and pray to whatever God you want to pray to, if that's your kind of thing. Um, it's been a really, uh, it's been a huge outpouring of efforts um, that continues to happen. And what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not only encouraged by the most recent um largesse of the activism of, of folks around the country and around the world, but especially in the country here to stand up against uh, some of the hateful notions and illegal actions that the new presidential administration have been uh, propagating and trying to enact and trying to enforce. Um, and, uh, 
what I, what I'm what I'm glad to see is that this activism is something that we're actually seeing in mainstream media now. It's not just hidden on the back page where they say, you know, like, oh, there was uh, a gathering of folks who uh, came to protest, and then and then that's it. Now it is so it's such a movement that it is unmistakable, and it's uh, we can't ignore it anymore. The mainstream media will, of course, in in some ways, still try to spin it to the interests and the moneyed interests that are behind mainstream media outlets, um, in large in large degree. But it's it's something that can't be ignored anymore, and um, and I'm glad about that. And you know what I think it took? I think it really took this crazy bigot who's in the White House to start swinging wild at everybody uh, for everyone to say, whoa, 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 hey. <laughs> Actually, you know, I mean, the press, uh, freedom of the press. Um, no, I'm pretty sure we're, if you're going to attack the press, the press is going to say, well, we're going to be covering every single protest of people who are standing up against you because uh, freedom of the press is, is uh in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. So freedom of the press, freedom of speech, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more later. I know you, if you were listening to um, the Weekly Review with Roman, uh, I know he was getting into it a little bit about what happened at UC Berkeley this week. And we'll talk a bit about that in a a couple minutes. but I want to read a poem that I wrote, and I read it last week on the show, but I think my timing was a little bit off. So what happened was I read it towards the end of the show, and uh, it got cut off, and then it started at the beginning of the Common Thread Collective podcast. So if you were really into it, you could listen to both. But I just want to read it to you in whole. And uh, this is called, I'm Not White and Neither Are You. A call center wants to know my opinion on the national situation. (laughs) Yes, please. Oh, but first we need some identifiable information. Your year of birth? Well, that's fine. Uh, But also your racial affiliation. Are you Hispanic, of Hispanic descent, or Caucasian? Pause. Are you African American or some kind of Asian, perhaps from a Pacific Island? Or other... I say, yes, I am human. The caller says, thank you for your time. And I say, wait, I want to answer your questions about our national situation. Oh, I'm sorry, but we can't proceed. I need to submit your racial affiliation. And it wouldn't accept it when I typed in human. So let me get this straight. The system doesn't want my opinion unless I capitulate to a psychological construct of race. Well, then it's time for a little education. Hispanic refers to a language, not a real location. If you had asked Latina, it still would not account for the mixing of blood through colonization. It might be a good time to mention that my first generation father experienced so much discrimination that he refused to teach Spanish to his children because English speaking and white was equated with privilege. Did you even ask if I was Native American? Is that considered an option? Or is that system you're working with under the impression that we've become extinct and nullified? All right, I'll tell you what. Just say that I'm white. 
Despite the fact that the Caucasus is in a mountain range between Asia and Russia, and I'm pretty sure my family never resided, I'll look down at my winter legs, rosy cheeks, and claim my Irish pride. Scottish, French, and Dane, but only if it includes my Mediterranean claim. After all, this country is named after an Italian map maker. And like Vespucci, I draw my own lines, so please... Let me tell you what I think about our national situation. So check your box and let's get on with the questions. Pause. I'm sorry, ma'am. We've reached the limit on your demographic.
Welcome back to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. Thanks for being with me this fine Friday. I just want to make a quick announcement. Um, I am not going to be here next Friday, so there may be a podcast from a previous show, or there might just be some music playing uh, from the 2 to 3 o'clock hour, and also from the 3 to 6 o'clock hour, Common Thread Collective, uh, where I don't believe we're having a live show. I'm going to be out of town. Um, If anything changes, check the Facebook page, but if you happen to be listening and thinking, yeah, I'm going to come down down to Common Thread Collective. Uh, next Friday is not the best choice. We won't uh, be doing a live show. But you're welcome to come down today um, between 3 and 4. And we're going to be wrapping up early. Like I said, I am heading out of town. So uh, unfortunately, we're just kind of abbreviating today's Common Thread Collective and um, be back in action, full action with Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective uh, the following week, the weekend before Not My President's Day. So I wanted to, um, as we're on the topic of protest, um, which peaceful assembly is guaranteed in the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights in the Constitution, uh, I wanted to talk about some of the laws that are being, or bills, we'll say, bills proposed to become laws, that have been introduced in the past couple of weeks, um, specifically in an attempt to to quiet protest. So this is an article actually from the 19th uh, from The Intercept. Uh, Republican lawmakers in five states propose bills to criminalize peaceful protest. And I just want to give you a little sum of what these uh, five bills have been um, proposed to do. Um, So these proposals would strengthen or supplement existing laws addressing the blocking or obstructing of traffic come in response to the string of high-profile highway closures and other actions led by Black Lives Matter activists and opponents of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Republicans reasonably expect an invigorated protest movement during the Trump years. Maybe it'll just be a Trumpy year. Um, I don't know how long he himself is going to last in that particular office. He seems to be unaware of his position and what that entails um, legally and the, the system of checks and balances that we do have in the country. Um, but more on that later. So here are some of the bills that have been produced, or, I'm sorry, uh, proposed um, across the United States. In North Dakota, Republicans introduced, they, they didn't say who, um, I don't know if it was a group of Republicans or if it was an individual, you know, assembly member of the state. I'm not sure. This is from The Intercept. Uh, in North Dakota, Republicans introduced a bill last week that would allow motorists to run over and kill any protester obstructing a highway as long as the driver does so accidentally. In Minnesota, a bill introduced by Republicans last week seeks to dramatically stiffen fines for freeway protests and would allow prosecutors to seek a full year of jail time for protesters blocking a highway. Republicans in Washington state have proposed a plan to reclassify as a felony civil disobedience protests that are deemed, quote, economic terrorism. So we imagine that looks like maybe shutting down banks, general strike kind of stuff. 
Republicans in Michigan introduced and then last month shelved, put it aside, an anti-picketing law that would increase penalties against protesters and would make it easier for businesses to sue individual protect protesters for their actions. So picketing, that's like, that's with unions. Um, and in Iowa, a Republican lawmaker has pledged to introduce legislation to crack down on highway protests. So this is what um, some of the, notice they're all Republican lawmakers, um, are thinking about and proposing as, as what they seem uh, to support as good ideas. So let's break it down. North Dakota, um, the bill that would allow motorists to run over and kill any protesters uh, obstructing a highway, is a clear threat to our brothers and sisters, old and young water protectors out at, and at the Standing Rock Camp, uh, Osedi Sekouin Camp, the Sioux uh, tribe that has been out there for months. Oh, I think since late spring of 2016, camped out there trying to uh, protect Lake Oahe and uh, where the where this Dakota Access Pipeline um, was supposed to go through and also to go underneath. They want to drill, they want to bore underneath the Missouri River, uh, which um, provides fresh water to millions and millions of Americans. Uh, the figures I've heard, I've, I've read I've been between somewhere between 16 and 18 million people depend on the Missouri River for clean water. Um, so you have this pipeline from Energy Transfer Partners who um, did not apply for a full environmental review uh, and permit process from beginning to end of this pipeline, which goes through four states, um, but rather kind of have done it, have gotten um, permission in a very piecemeal fashion, uh, a stretch here, a stretch there, um, uh, in order to kind of avoid this larger environmental impact uh, statement, uh, which obviously would be something conducted with, I would hope, seriousness and uh, a lot of scrutiny. Um, Energy Transfer Partners also employed the employed eminent domain in order to obtain some of the lands through which the pipeline is crossed or would, would cross. I mean, this thing is like 80% built. Um, so eminent domain is usually something that the government would do to, uh, to seize private property uh, in order to create some sort of public works, um, uh, like a dam or a reservoir or something like that. But, in this case, Energy Transfer Partners wants to build the Dakota Access Pipeline. They are a private corporation uh, who were able to use eminent domain to get access to, to um, several of the pieces of land along the route of the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, so a lot of shady business there. And also the new president, uh, up until, well, as of uh, about a year ago, um, uh, apparently, uh, you know, we, we don't really know if it's still there, if he still has the investment or not, but he himself uh, had 
an investment in the Dakota Access Pipeline. So I'm not surprised that one of his first actions in office was to try to clear the way for the Dakota Access Pipeline and the Keystone XL Pipeline, which activists fought against for years, um, and then President Obama uh, vetoed. Um, so this is a real affront to people, to the environment, um, to the Constitution. Um, we really need to uh, stay aware because the more that people rise up and protest and stand out and exercise their rights, the more the people who don't want that to happen are going to try to surreptitiously do sneaky things like introduce bills and states and here and there and piecemeal their way together to try to, uh, to, to, to dampen it. And uh, we just can't let that happen because my new favorite uh, expression, slang expression, is we got to stay woke. single thing to work.
Everything is temporary. Let's hope that's true for this presidency. Uh, J.D. Buell Band. Um, J.D. Buell has a show before Romans. From I think he has it's from ten to twelve here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, the Morning Train with J.D. Buell. Um, that's B-U-H-L. And uh, again from this new album, some are still not free. So everything is temporary. It's true. It's it's nice to think that way too, because uh, we can't just get all stopped up and. And not uh, try to find our way through some of this fog. So here's some interesting. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I everything right now is so serious that I just have. To, I, I but part of it is like takes me to the edge where it's just becoming. It's just so absurd that it that it makes me laugh. Maybe it's out of like awkwardness where you're like you can't go any further. You're like, oh my god, is this really happening? Um, yeah, a little bit of disbelief, um, but you know, not 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 from naivete necessarily, but from a, a sort of idealism um, that we shouldn't be having to fight these fights. I like some of the signs that the older uh, protesters carry that say, I can't believe I still have to fucking protest this shit. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, grandma, your sign is so sadly true. Um, so, but here's what's happening. You know, um, uh, the president <laughs> is, is being sued by like everybody he's got like 50 lawsuits against him that have been brought against him since the inauguration which folks i know you know was only a couple weeks ago um this is the most contentious like beginning of a of an, of an administration that i have ever heard of um <laughs> yeah so pre donald trump president has been uh, named in more than 50 lawsuits since taking the oath of office a staggering number compared to the first days of past administrations um and that th those lawsuits include um the city of san francisco is suing the president um over his uh threats of taking away federal funding for the fact that we're a sanctuary city and um and uh basically don't cooperate with ice um unless we want to <laughs> so let's see um since being sworn in on january 20th trump has been named in 52 federal cases and seven in 17 different states that's according to the administrative office of the united states courts Comparatively, Obama was named in three and George W. Bush and Bill Clinton were each named in four cases between January 20th and February 1st. Um, while the president is often named in court cases against the federal government, the Trump administration is facing a wave of legal challenges for its two controversial executive orders that focus on immigrants from Muslim-majority nations or immigrants who entered the U.S. illegally. Um, they also will have to battle a lawsuit over Trump's possible conflicts related to his business holdings. So they're being sued. He's being sued by um, civil rights and Muslim advocacy organizations. Um, and uh, because of the temporary uh, travel hold um, that he himself used the word ban. Um, and then his spokesperson said, it's not a ban. And they said, well, the president called it a ban. No, it's not a ban. Uh, are you confused or is he? I'm not confused. This is all 
um, part of this, this this crazy absurdity that we're that we're witnessing. Um, but basically, uh, the the order was to um, refuse to let people into the United States coming from seven uh, Muslim predominant uh, predominantly Muslim countries, um, as well as to uh, for like a ninety day hold, I believe. Um, to try to decide how they were going to do more extreme vetting. Um, you know, we already have a system in place that vets people who are coming into the country. And I mean, and, and also furthermore, actually we're talking beyond just having people coming in from the seven countries, whether they were green card holders or visa holders or not. Um, also putting a hold on any refugees entering the country um, indefinitely. And what we saw, of course, were that people rushed to the airports. Um, my mom described it like a flash mob. Um, amazing. Airport, I mean, protests erupting at the airport. You don't fuck around at the airport. Um, but these people were getting together um, across the country to go to these airports where people from those seven countries green card holders, visa holders, um, or, or refugees who had tried, who had been like trying for, you know, months or years to try to get here, um, to try to let them be released, um, demanding that they be released. And, um, in many cases they have been, um, so that's just another wave of amazing activism, uh, in the U S right now. Um, so of course it's, it's, uh, I mean, all we have to do, we just keep going back to the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights, which guarantees a freedom of religion. Uh, here, I'll read it right now. Here we go. Um, well, that's the Constitution, Section 1. You know, the Constitution is not very long. I, again, I question whether uh, the new president has read it, even though he swore to uphold it um, in his 45-word oath of office. Um, here we go. Back to the First Amendment. We already talked about the press. We already talked about uh, peaceful assembly. Here we go. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. It's a small paragraph that holds a lot of impact. And, um, you know, when I was participating in the women's March, uh, my sign, well, I, I had one sign with two sides on it, but one, one side of the sign that I had just said first amendment rights, because obviously the person who has been elected to the present office of the presidency, and again, has sworn to uphold the constitution, um, clearly stands in opposition to everything that's included in the first amendment. Um, so the fact that, uh, he and, or his administration is being sued, um, are named in over 52 lawsuits since January 20th. Um, again, it's really encouraging to me. I'm glad that, uh, um, well, you know, I'm, I, I can't even say I'm glad. This is just karma. This is a guy who's been suing people for years um, and who's been sued time and again, um, usually for, for 
stiffing people on what he said he was going to do with the pay them or, you know, breaking contract um, or setting up a fake unaccredited university um, and taking people's money as tuition. Um, And you know what he does? He settles the lawsuit before anything can be any blame can be assigned. Uh, And the people who sue him for, you know, wage theft um, usually only get a fraction of uh, what they were owed um, because, again, he settles. Um, So this is a very different kind of um, legal atmosphere for Donald Trump. Further lawsuits. Um, San Francisco is the first and only city so far to announce a lawsuit against Trump for targeting sanctuary cities in an executive order severely limiting federal grant money to cities that do not fully comply with all U.S. immigration and customs enforcement requests. I-C-E. Ice. Ice cold. Um, City attorney, San Francisco city attorney Dennis Herrera said at a news conference, the president's executive, quote, the president's executive order is not only unconstitutional, um, it is un-American. This is why we must stand up and oppose it. We are a nation of immigrants and a land of laws. We must be the guardians of our democracy that President Obama urged us all to be in his farewell address. Um, Although San Francisco is the only city suing so far, many mayors and sheriffs have stated that their displeasure over the announcement and plans uh, are making plans to challenge it. Um, And what's kind of interesting you know, even though that there's a Republican majority in Congress, um, the majority of mayors across the United States are large, it's a largely democratic, um, group of, group of, uh, folks. So let's see. Uh, and then, and then of course, um, some lawsuits against him for violating the emoluments clause. Um, so the lawsuit was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York by Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Um, the group alleges that Trump's business interests, quote, are creating countless conflicts of, of interest, as well as an unprecedented influence by foreign governments and have resulted and will further result in numerous violations of the U.S. Constitution's Foreign Emoluments Clause, which disallows any sitting government um, official to receive payments from any foreign governments. Um, And so where you have uh, Donald Trump, who has, I believe, over 500 business entities, um, whether it's making ties and shirts in Bangladesh or building uh, towers and golf courses, um, you know, he's got uh, rooms that he rents out to head, you know, visiting diplomats, heads of state. So actually getting paid from foreign governments. Um, so there's a lot of violations, uh, that are just kind of writ large. So I'm again, encouraged, uh, to see that, uh, people and cities and organizations are getting together to, uh, challenge and push back against so many of these misguided and largely illegal actions coming out of the White House. You're listening to Women's Magazine here 
I'm Global Val. Uh, it's about 2.45 here on Friday, February 3rd. Um, I want to give a big happy birthday to one of my oldest friends in the world, um, Miss Liz out there. I hope you're having a fabulous day and, uh, and that you're loving every minute of it. And the same goes out to all of you. I'm going to play a little music. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Women's Magazine, MutinyRadio.fm. Happy to be here today. So as we confront so much um, negativity, uh, anger directed, at um, you know various groups of people or individuals, um, you know so much of it to me seems like a distraction, um, and I don't mean a distraction in the sense of like oh don't pay attention to that that's not important it is important it's very important um, looking out for civil rights uh, civil liberties. Um, accepting one another as neighbors. Uh, These are all of the utmost importance. Um, And yet we seem to have all of these clowns, these these, uh, scarecrows jumping up in front of us, right? Like like Donald Trump or like that guy who was going to, who was invited to talk at UC Berkeley the other night who, um, you know, had been invited and then people said, don't let him come here. He's full of hate. He's going to endanger students. Um, he's going to endanger um, undocumented students. Uh, it's just hate speech. Hate speech is not free speech. Threatening speech is not free speech. Um, you know, it, it, it's very twisted to start to have these villains pop up. Um, I think we really need to stay vigilant about what's happening behind the curtain, so to speak. All of these people that Donald Trump has nominated to the cabinet are folks who do not have the American people's best interest at heart. You have several folks. He said he's going to drain the swamp He's got several folks who are uh, career um, people from Goldman Sachs, um, Wall Street, uh, various trading houses, fucking Rex Tillerson from ExxonMobil, who is named currently in a lawsuit against Exxon for participating in atrocities in Indonesia. Um, and he got in, he got confirmed 
all these people just keep getting confirmed. Uh, Steve Mnuchin, uh, Goldman Sachs, is nominated for the Secretary of Treasury. Um, Jeff Sessions, funded by Wall Street, nominated for Attorney General, despite a history of going against um, civil rights and civil liberties. Uh, Gary Cohn has been nominated as the director of the National Economic Council. He's from Goldman Sachs. Uh, Tom Price, who actually was a, a, a doctor, um, has been named uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Um, a lot of funding from big drug companies um, wants to dismantle the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. Um, Wilbur Ross nominated for the Secretary of Commerce from W.L. Ross and Co- Company. Um, Andy Putzer nominated for the Secretary of Labor who is an, an owner of Hardee's and Carl's Jr. and is staunchly against minimum wage for the Secretary of Labor. Oh, let's not... I can't even look at Steve Bannon. Uh what a mess that guy is. And he is in a very powerful position right now. He's been not only the chief strategist uh, for the for the president, whispering in his ear, uh, but also has been named to the National Security Council. That's the kind of position that Kissinger was in. This is a dangerous situation, a dangerous person to have in there. And he was a Goldman Sachs guy, too, before he was some sort of <laughs> radical radio host. Um, <laughs> which I say tongue-in-cheek, of course. Uh, what are all those pundits talking about? Um, oh, here's an interesting one. Secretary of Transportation, she already got confirmed, um, Elaine Chow, who has been around for a long time now. Uh, she was the Secretary of Labor under um, George W. Bush and uh, for both terms. Uh, she was a director of the Peace Corps at one point. Uh, after, um, she was the director of United Way for a long time. Uh, she's she's been with uh, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and her husband is Mitch McConnell. She's been confirmed. Um, and of course, right now, the battle is still underway against uh, nominee for Edu- Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, um, whose family owns, uh, <laughs> a family profits from student loans. <laughs> she's never gone to public school. She's not a teacher. Um, she's a billionaire. She's been... Uh, she and her husband have donated for like $47 million over the past few years to try to um, gut private uh, public education and move money over towards private vouchers uh, for, for to go to pr- these private charter schools, which I'm not wholeheartedly against. I think you should have uh, options in your education, but I, I, I'll tell you right now, I wor- used to work for a charter school on a substitute basis and, um, you know, everyone has to take tests. And, uh, and I was asked at one point to uh, clean up the Scantron tests from the little kids so that, that they could, you know, actually 
scan them. And it was basically, uh, I was being asked to do something, um, to alter the tests essentially, um, which I found to be, uh, rather disturbing. So, you know, it's all attached to federal funding. And, um, but the, 